Hello, and welcome to Screaming Bloody Oranges, the Invisible Oranges podcast. I am Editor-in-Chief Andrew Rothman, joyed to bring you fresh episodes of this fledgling podcast, but also saddened by the topic that we open today with, the passing of Power Trip's Riley Gale. The entire metal community reverberated with the impact of his passing, and importantly, the shockwave traveled far beyond metal, too. It's just a reminder that while heavy metal might sometimes feel niche or underground, it's clearly not without greater influential powers and importance. Power Trip kicks ass, serious ass, but the music is just one dimension to Riley's granite character and vivid image. We mourned for this loss and took time to reflect on it together in the first segment of this two-parter. Following, we have a discussion on the merits of album reviews and, well, whether they're worth your time. I'm joined by Langdon Hickman and Joe April, and we're going to shoot the shit for a second before diving in. Hi, this is Joe April, writer for Invisible Oranges. Hi, I'm Langdon Hickman. Hey, Langdon. Hey, Joe. How's it going? Doing okay. Just, you know, hold, holding down the, the days and the uh, kind of shit atmosphere that the whole world has been in for, like, n- like not even just America. It feels like literally everything. So, you know, just yeah. getting through a day feels like, okay, I can, I can live off of this one. We're going to call the, this uh... the, the bummer episode. <laughs> <laughs> Currently surviving uh, California's worst heat wave ever. So, uh, yeah, full fro- full force of uh, global warming. Yeah, Joe is reporting to us from California as a melted puddle of his former self. Um, <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. How Bones does, went first, yeah. surprisingly. Like, you'd, you'd think the organs or, like, the skin might go first, but it was the bones. Now, that's a metal SL discussion. What, how did, like, the specific <laughs> process of a human vaporization in hot California desert heat? <laughs> yeah. Maybe we can get a, someone from Carcass in on the, <laughs> that discussion. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's like up to, I think it got up to 113, 115 out by me today. Jesus. Which, so. How does that feel? I mean, like that's, a dumb, that's a that's a dumbass question. Yeah, but yeah, I've never felt I've never felt that much heat. Like I guess on my body or anywhere. So it's like I, what does I, that feel I have like a couple it? friends who live in Arizona when and were living there during that summer when like there were images of literally like mailboxes mm-hmm. wilting and melting God. on the side of the road and like garbage yeah. cans like opening like a flower because of just how hot it was literally could cook an egg on the sidewalk i just had this vibrant image in my head of a garbage can blossoming like a flower (laughs) just find that beautiful (laughs) life finds a way it does life also hits you hard sometimes with a baseball bat in the face uh i mean that's true and and we wanted to yeah we wanted to start obviously this you know our discussion on this segment of talking about Riley Gale, Power Trip, um, rest in peace. And it's like, it's like, wow, where do you even start? It's, um, yeah, it's one of the most shocking deaths, I think, in the metal and hardcore community we've had in a while. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I got to see Power Trip a couple, few times. Um, I think the first was... At the Scion sponsored festival, maybe in 2014 or so out in LA. And, um, man, they were just a force. Like, the one thing about Power Trip is you always have to think of them as a live band and how commanding they were in a live presence. 
I think when oh, yeah. I listened to Nightmare Logic and I had this experience, you know, when I learned of his death, I immediately put that album on and like the riffs when you listen to that album is like you just get this image of a crowd moving to it because they're just so mm. catchy and they they just they're bo- it's body music as far as I'm concerned uh in in in, in a certain dimension so yeah Langdon it I unfortunately never got to see mm. them live um which it's I mentioned this before but it, it reminds me and this is gonna sound maybe hyperbolic but i think pe- people who've seen them people who know the band will at least get where i'm coming from on this it feels similar to how i'd mentioned before how i passed up seeing heaven and hell on what wound up being their last mm-hmm. tour and also a tour that they had with motorhead um and so never got to see either of those and obviously riley was a lot younger than than dio or lemmy um, but there was, and this is obviously also not to mention the human angle of, of the loss of him, which was so much more profound than someone outside of the scene may have anticipated, like how much everyone loved the guy, like, mm-hmm. e- like everyone, like normally this isn't a good side of people, but normally when someone passes, you can bet on finding someone who has something ugly or improper to say even though you know people are still in the midst of literally none i didn't didn't see see anything anything. i didn't see one thing like it was and it was people from all over too because he had a lot of friends and connections in the comic industry because there are a lot of metalheads there and huge outpouring of love there huge outpouring of love in just the art community because he was an active and vocal supporter of like hey these people did my covers or these people did the cover of these people over there um massive supporter of both underground and bigger bands like he i apparently have a like a friend who just was friends with him after having seen them at a show and just striking up a conversation and then the next time they were in town same thing happened and they just you know became friends with each other and even in smaller bands that doesn't happen as much anymore but even outside of that human end, there was something profoundly powerful about the band, specifically the arc from, like, their mind-bogglingly, like, potential-laden demos. Like, the fact that they got signed and were able to get that big push behind their debut record was not a surprise to anyone. Anyone who followed their demos was like, duh, this is, like, gonna be the new thrash band like absolutely gonna be them and then the fact that they built off of that with with nightmare logic which feels like a hardcore ride the lightning like they're they're like there's such a good like Mm -hmm. twinning of like if you listen to fight fire with fire then you listen to soul sacrifice into executioner's tax like Yeah, I, so even though I didn't see them live, there's still it, it's it's hard to get bigger praise from me than comparing something you've done to Ride the Lightning, which is like it, the best record that's ever been made. I mean, if you're if you're going to be buried in a casket, I don't know your final plans, but I assume you're going to want that a copy of that CD in your casket with you. Oh God, yeah, that's <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, yeah, Langdon. I thought it was interesting that you said uh, that you know. Um, uh, Nightmare Logic is sort of like the the power trip uh, ride the lightning, and like it, it does it hold that much 
icon, does it hold that much symbolism? I think maybe not yet. It does a lot, but just wait 10 years from now, I think. Like, what's that album going to be like? It, and I think it felt, thinking, yeah. hearing, hearing that record felt the same way that hearing Leviathan felt when mm. it first came out. It's like one of those, where, yeah. Where you have this incredible debut, and then, you know, that's that bated breath question of, like, what do you do without much promise? And then you follow it up with a record that's simultaneously better in every single possible way. Mm. Every single category they improved on and still felt like they hadn't they hadn't gone as far as it would go yet like it it felt like we were still on this like Mm -hmm. steep upward journey and then yeah that's obviously the human end takes precedence over that in terms of you know reckoning the loss of someone right but that that part really can't understated yeah i mean like here we are talking about the music of course and it's because we're obsessed with music that's why we're here that's why we're talking um but the human you're right langdon like the loss of him like not the music like almost the music be damned for a minute let's talk about him um like the reputation and and the the importance that he has like throughout not just metal but other scenes as well it's like how do you just trying to put into words like how do you how do you fill that void like that void is what causes i think a lot of the you know despair and harsh feelings but yeah what do you fill it with memories i guess good memories yeah joe you have a ton of memories probably from the shows and everything so yeah i mean i i was never fortunate enough to to meet or get to know the guys Mm. in the band so i never had that kind of relationship only you know relationship as a fan enjoying the music and you know to be a hundred percent honest uh you know it wasn't like they were my favorite band of all time but they were a consistent band i enjoyed like anytime they were on a tour uh or a festival lineup it was like oh i should make time to go see them because they're gonna put on a show they're gonna put on a really good show and they had good songs behind them um but i mean yeah getting away from the musical aspect it's I mean, you know, we've all, especially at the point we are in our lives, you know, late 20s to somewhere in your 30s, uh, I'm sure we've all experienced death personally in terms of someone that we know. Um, and, and quite a few may have been untimely far too early. Um, so I think we're able to relate to something like this with that. And I'm sure a lot of people, certainly of our age uh, out there, and certainly older, can relate to that. Um, Because, you know, Langdon mentioned before how it compares to, like, Lemmy's death or Dio's death. And and I do think it's it's comparable to that. But the big difference is the fact that he's so much younger. And it was a band with so much more promise. Like, it wasn't someone who... I mean, in a way, you could say Power Trip had already solidified itself as legendary, but, you know, they had so much more, it seemed like they were on the cusp of obtaining. Um, And so it's just sort of this blindside shock of when a death like this happens. I I see, like, a a space shuttle getting launched and, like, everyone's watching and just everyone's so proud and happy of this. And then all of a sudden it's just gone. And you're like, you know, shit. Uh, and um, 
as far as Langdon, we had mentioned like you saw no negative like knockback. I I didn't see. I was I was looking for it honestly because I wanted to find someone who had something negative to say about this guy because clearly no one else did. Like there and Langdon, I, I agree. There has to be that one you know jerk off asshole somewhere who's gonna make some nope. snarky comment. There is I, I couldn't, somewhere. <laughs> like, the, the reputation, uh, that is, is what you call flawless. It's A-plus reputation in the, in the scene. And I think, you know, it's, it's good. And it, it made, it, it put some, it filled a bit of the void and put some warmth back in me when I saw everyone, everyone saying something like, man, this loss is horrible and, like, we're feeling it. I mean, that's all you can say, really, is I'm feeling it, but, like, I'm just happy that everyone spoke out. Everyone said something like we all. It also, yeah, it, it, it strikes deep. It strikes uh, deeper for me now. So I'm, I'm just on the cusp of 32. It's mm. like a month or a month and a half away, something like that. Maybe a little more. I'm, it, you get to a point where you try not to keep track. Um, not that, not that I think like I'm, I'm old now or anything, but just, you know, it stops. Yeah. Ticking, ticking that box doesn't doesn't. Basically, once you're anymore. thirty, you'll know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're like, nah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, my, yeah, my bones it. hurt all the time. I just, <laughs> I don't. It's gonna get worse. Um, yeah. And so to look at the fact that he was thirty-five, really, like, people in their twenties are probably going to, on paper, feel like they grasp how young that is. But it's it's as Joe was saying. When you are at or around, or especially if you're older than the age of someone passing, the thought of the thought of that is just like it it's heart stopping. And especially as I was saying, if it, you get to a certain age where you begin to experience loss, like if you so long, so long as you have family and are able to make friends, the unfortunate downside of that is eventually some of them start to go. Mm-hmm. The only other way around that is if you're the first one in your group to go, mm-hmm. um, which is not not a good way to avoid that problem. There's something about that that resonates on a personal level, and I think resonated on a personal level with everyone who read that, that you're looking at... Because one of the things that we look at with charismatic figures like that especially charismatic figures in the art world is you sort of map yourself onto them one of the reasons why we identify with films and with records and with novels is because first we map ourselves onto it and then it goes someplace maybe we wouldn't which makes us feel like maybe i could go to that place and you know you start branching out like the roots of a tree or something like that and seeing someone around your age with this like incredible potential it looked like the it looked like the bare minimum they were going to be was another like band the size of lamb of god which it is much bigger than most ever get and that felt mm-hmm. like the floor um and not even thinking of in terms of like our pleasure in listening to their music, but in terms of like feeling like you're accomplishing something like from their from their perspective, like putting in this work and delivering something that people respond to and then to think having that snatched away at 35. Like. 
it's it's hard to do anything except talk in a circle around it because it feels like this black hole that you. I was just about to say, to... like, yeah, part of like the, as I observe this communication discussion, and this happens when we talk about anyone who's important, especially who's passed. It's like you can't. I think a lot of communication is is at least problem solving, and you can't solve this problem. There's no bringing it back. There's you're right. We will talk into a circle at an end and into the hole. Um. But I think that whole process is so human. That's us. Like, that's what we have to do. Otherwise, we yeah. go crazy. You know, we have to get this out. Um, so I think it's part of it. And I, and I, I wanted to um, I wanted to bridge, Langdon, what you said and bring it kind of to close this segment to, to how do we, with heavy metal, clearly about death a lot. I mean, heavy metal, death. <laughs> I mean, the association is stereotypical, and like a lot of people who don't have knowledge of heavy metal, assume it's all about death, which it isn't. There's life and other things in heavy metal, but death is certainly a key thing to understand better in the heavy metal context if you want to really digest and understand heavy metal on a deeper level. And but how do you, when someone in heavy metal then dies, like, do you feel a little weird sometimes, like, with? listening to all this music about death and it becoming so real as opposed to just metaphorical or in a narrative or representational in music, like it's real. <laughs> like, do you stop the yeah, music I, for a second or do you, or do you keep playing? I, I, I actually wrote a little bit about this in mm -hmm. um, in the chapter of I'm listening to death metal about, about Pissgrave and the, the, um, I think fair controversy around, around their album cover choices. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, the, the fuller thoughts on that specific angle are there, so I'm not going to get into them here. But that thought of there is a differentiable element between, say, listening to Creeping Death to go back to Ride the Lightning or um, even listening to a lot of doom metal and then dealing with real death. There's actually... Um, I, I'm going to like sort of hack up the quote uh, from um, Phil Averum of uh, Mount Erie, just because I I remember more the sentiment than the specific quote. Um, but uh, after his wife passed, he like with wild bravery was able to make a record about the grieving process, which I, I can't even imagine being able to do that. I would just be destroyed by the grief. Um, but one of the sentiments that he had in that was, you can't really make art about real grief it requires you on some level to abstract it or modify it because mm -hmm. the feeling of actual grief and loss is this wordless nameless thing mm -hmm. like it, it just sort of swallows you up because you think about losing someone else naturally when someone dies you also think about your own death like that's the part that sort of haunts all discussion about losing someone else is we we map ourselves onto that part too and that just like ch that chokes the life out of you like it does yeah yeah so sometimes it can be hard when dealing with actual loss to go to something that's maybe more flippant about the subject mm. matter that that can be healing at a point to yeah. try to gain some distance so but which you need at some point because yeah. you can't you you can't overcome the thing 
that that's that's haunting you. Like, yeah. I think when you say flippant in respect to like heavy metal albums about death versus real death, I think it's relative. Like heavy metal albums about death, like Bellwitch, Mirror Reaper, like that's. Uh, oh yeah, that's not that's that's, not that's about death. That's, that's not flipping at all. But in relation to real death, it almost sort of becomes. I mean, but then again, it's about I don't know. There's a it's it's a it's there's spectrums here, and I think as we try to bleed between like heavy metal albums that talk about death, you, a, a lot of them do flippantly, clearly, uh, but some don't. Um, but then you you talk about the actual gravity of real loss, and. You know, it might even destroy your interest in listening to music altogether, or maybe music's a healing thing. And I just, I don't want to, I, I never wanted to feel unusual, I guess, listening to music about death to make, to make light of it in a silly way. Um, and then have to hear and listen, you know, have to, you know, hear the news like of someone actually passing. It just, I just get turned off to that music for a bit. Right, so like on the topic of some of our favorite things to do on the website, review albums, and I think uh, anytime someone says album review, there's like immediate things come to someone's head, like oh, what, am, you know, do I even click on those, or are those important, or what is some writer going to say that changed my mind about what I hear on an album, uh, or is it a sneak peek? Is it a review posted before I hear the album, or am I reading it after? I don't know point is there's a lot to really digest and talk about album reviews like they're among the most successful uh, posts on invisible oranges um with readers uh they're not the most successful but they're they rank very high and they do very well among you know all the people who think about clicking so uh i think on one far end of a poll there's a there's people who like really just don't like album reviews and certainly don't like ranking and as you know we don't rank albums on invisible oranges we don't do like out of 10 or five or five invisible oranges uh no um that's yeah yeah, that's too far that i agree that's stupid um but uh what we do do is like offer like and what i i think my focus as editor has always been to draw out like the personal i guess connection and like I think maybe that's where an album review really can shine is like you could describe the music and I think that goes so far, but you're going to describe it. The person's just going to listen to it. I mean, like, what good is your description? So, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I have let's a go lot open of, it up. Yep. I have a lot of specific thoughts about the form. Uh, unsurprising, given given how much I write them that I yeah. like that's not a fluke. That's not that's not like an accidental thing. Um, the The first one, the first layer of it, I think. Is and this is, people can disagree if they want, but I am right. Um, I think that if you want to offer critical thought about a field of work, be it film, music, uh, in our case it's heavy metal, but you know can be on any kind of art form, you have to write critic or critical work about the contemporary work within that field. Mm. I think that's like a fundamental element. I don't think you really. So get we're thinking the right. about the structure of it all working. The, yeah, like I that, think that's a piece of the structure. Yeah, 
everything is predicated off of like we are having critical engagement with the contemporary work of the field it's not just mm. like hey i like metallica and i like judas priest and black metal's pretty neat let's start a website because that's <laughs> at, 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 no knock to that but that's a differentiable it, that's a different kind of entity mm. that's more like a fan entity if you want to have if you want to be serious you have to make critical work about the contemporary shape of things. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I think that there's, there's sort of a common um, critique of album reviews as a thing is that, and this, this one's just unfortunately true. Like in, you can check with metrics on it. Anyone who runs a website is immediately going to groan. Cause they know what I'm about to say. They never do as well as lists. Listicles will crush them day in, day out until the sun burns out. But that isn't a critique of album reviews i don't think because this presumes that they're written both for the same crowd lists in general are meant to be more open like even if it's about a specialty topic the Mm -hmm. one of the one of the points of having capsule writing where maybe you know every entry on the list isn't like 15 paragraphs it's like one or two is specifically so that someone can walk in and get their feet wet and people who already know will catch maybe your deeper references that mm. someone else might not but and a review is specifically pointed at a different kind of crowd um i think a lot of people wind up so we're talking uh, we've talked talked about this point a lot actually and you you'll see it around on on facebook or twitter of this image of like album reviews as being written for the writer's ego and for other writers in the room they're not for mm. readers and Honestly, that reads to me more as, like, a very bitter and cynical thing to say. Um, Because I remember reading reviews for years and years and years before I ever wrote for anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was, it's because it's for a specific crowd. It's not a crowd that's better, and it's not a crowd that's worse than more casual crowds or crowds that maybe want to spend their time in different ways maybe they're just as knowledgeable but they're not about album reviews but it seems untoward to go oh there are just uh there are less people specifically interested in contemporary critical writing about new works within a field so we should just not do it like that 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 just seems absurd to me that doesn't that's not a real argument I wish you had like some kind of hammer that you could just slam right on the fucking desk as you said that because it's just like I like how you uh, arranged your thoughts into a final point about it being extremely dumb to say that album reviews are only for a very specific reader and to fuel I guess the writer's ego which is maybe part of it sometimes but not always the case and certainly not true by necessity so because like, Ted t- yeah Ted what yeah yeah I mean uh, I guess. The issue with reviews, I think the thing yeah. that can draw people away from it is probably that, um, you know, like if you don't know the band is being reviewed, you have very little uh, motivation to read about it. Um, I think one of the things that we do at, at Invisible Orange is really well is like aid in music discovery. So, you know, reviews are just kind of a part of that. Like we can't always be premiering stuff we like or putting it in roundups. Like sometimes we can just like write about it in a longer form. Um it definitely appeals, I think, to kind of like music nerds who really want to dive in and look at like what might go into a release, um, and also as people who like us as writers and want to hear our thoughts on stuff. Um, one thing I haven't really done yet, and I'd like to do, is maybe like reviewing like bigger contemporary stuff that I didn't like, but 
I guess 2020 has just been kind of devoid of that, so I haven't really had a chance to dump on anything yet. Really sad about that. Maybe upcoming segment we'll have some dump time. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And I think, like, people sometimes form this, like, comparative of reviews to other kinds of pieces, but they're not meant to serve the same role that, say, premiering a new track or Mm. an exclusive premiere of a record or talking about a music video is. And there, there's no knock to that element either. That That's a, another necessary part. It's better to think of these things in terms of an ecosystem. It's something you pick up if you edit any it, anything, really, be it like a student newspaper or a website, is you're not just thinking about individual pieces. You're thinking about the whole that they all stitch together and thinking of them as, like, they're pieces of a puzzle. A premiere... I. I'm going to be honest, I rarely click on, like, track premieres unless I know the band. Because Mm. I've gotten to a point in my life where I've, you know, I only have a certain amount of time and I'm spending a certain amount of it, you know, getting writing done, listening to things on my own, doing, you know, like, stuff around the house, that my method of music discovery looks different from another person's. I still have one, but it looks different. And so to presume, like, well, more people click on this Mm. is... It, it it just seems silly to me because it presumes that every single person operates the way that, you know, the mass numbers around this one form. Right. I mean, like, Ted obviously works differently, you know, as far as album reviews and your digestion of those is probably different than Langdon, probably different than Joe and definitely probably different than, than me. We've all kind of had different experiences with album reviews. But I think, Langdon, your ultimate point is that... Um, they're all valid and necessary in some way. Different ways, but necessary. Yeah, you know, like, for, like yeah. my my album discovery process involves mm. a lot. Like, I, I still read a lot of album reviews mm. um, because there is a kind. And this also comes up with, you see, talk about, like, all these album reviewers are using the word angular. But what does angular even mean? I use mean? that word. And I like that word. <laughs> and it's like, I know what it means. When I read it, I know what I'm reading. If you call mm-hmm. Blue Douse Nord's industrial stuff angular, you're saying it doesn't sound, it doesn't have, like, a smooth, continuous, mm-hmm. melodic shape. I'm not going to hear my heart will go on. I'm going <laughs> to hear weird, techie lines. It, it again, sort of... Sh- there's a lot of stuff clouding it that seems a lot more like people who get annoyed with the form and so yeah. presume there must be something wrong with it as opposed to like we all discover and engage with music in slightly different ways yeah. and the reason why we arrange these different types of pieces is for those different crowds yeah ted any thoughts on why album reviews could be annoying yeah i mean, <laughs> I, mean I think people I love might that question yeah it's you know i think people might think that we're writing a review to kind of like force our opinion on the world and sometimes that is the case but like most of the times because like i actually like this album or i think it's interesting enough to write you know like six seven paragraphs on which is not right. every album so like regardless of why i'm writing it i think that would you know point out to like a reader that this is worth something worth at least checking out you know even if you don't read the review like you might want to listen to that to figure out why we decided to write the big ass piece on it Langdon, that connects to what you said about, you know, when you think about Invisible Oranges or any blog, the website operates both as a function of parts, but also as kind of a bespoke entity into itself. And that, like, that's what Ted is saying, like, running a review of an album is important for people who's going to read it. But even if you don't read it, the fact that we ran it is also important (laughs) Um, because it says something in the grander scheme of, like, 
our taste in music or our purpose or how many of our posts are reviews versus uh, premieres or other things. Yeah. So it, it would, yeah. I wouldn't want to work for a place. And frankly, I wouldn't. And if you notice the places that I've written, I, I don't work for mm -hmm. these kinds of places <laughs> that are primarily just here's a new track, here's a new premiere, here's a new track. Here's yeah, a new you get the churn. Because yeah. then it feels like you're just part of their PR team. Mm -hmm. And like, this is no knock to PR. Like, and I know plenty of PR people who I, are great people. We love them. They do we their, love most like, of them. Yeah. yeah. Like, they're, they're part of the ecosystem as well. I'm not trying mm -hmm. to say that they become bad because I'm not part of that ecosystem, mm. but it's one that I don't have an interest in being part of. And I think you need to have that separate critical component. Right. Otherwise, at that point, that PR people wouldn't need us. They could just run their own website. It's like sign <laughs> up much. and I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, so I the think other part of it yeah. also, we oh, have, go ahead, go ahead. So a lot of people tend to view an album under the same, uh, I'm going to try not to get uh, too high on my theory horse. They view it under the same capitalist lens that they did in years when buying a CD meant driving to a store, paying anywhere between 10 and 20 bucks, more mm. if it was an FYE. I don't know why they charged so much there. <laughs> um, uh, and then you're rolling the dice. You may have only heard one song. And so at that point, you need a review to tell you, is this good or is right, this bad? Right. And in that mindset, an album is nothing more than a buyer's guide. That's its only function. And at that point, you don't need words. All you need is a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And the rest of the review is frankly bullshit. You can say all the words you want, but if the end you mean buy it, you can just tell me buy it. Mm -hmm. There's, But clearly that's not what album reviews right. are. When you think about... And it, it's funny because we only seem to get this rhetoric about albums. When it comes to new novels, like new literary novels, that's a whole different science yeah. fiction yeah. novels, we don't bat an eye at the idea that people will write critical pieces diving into them. Mm -hmm. If it's a new video game, that's become a big world where video game criticism is this massive booming world that that's pretty, a yeah. lot of people <laughs> take part in. Film criticism is basically untouchable in the 20th and 21st century. No one's going to say to a film critic, like, you're basically a glorified buyer's guide. No one gives a fuck <laughs> what you think. And yet, it, it sort of hints at how a lot of people view music. And for mm. a lot of people, if, if music is the thing that's on your commute, that's just playing in the background while you're at work, yeah, you don't need an album review. And you're not wrong for that. Like, that's a perfectly valid way to approach it. But there are people who will sit with headphones on and listen to music the way that people mm. will watch a film. Right. And the presence of an album review is more for either people who already are like that or people interested at least in that mindset. And it doesn't need to be for everyone. Yeah. You know, someone can take a crack at it, be like, this is interesting, but I didn't get anything worthwhile. <laughs> and that's fine. Yeah. Like, we, it's let's funny because that, the people yeah, who make that, album... Yeah, let's bridge you, that to, um, to, I think there's a dimension of album reviews that, Langdon, as you said, we've gone from the like old school, let's say modern capitalist to a postmodern capitalist system where... Before, it's like you need to pay to have access to decide, do I actually want this? But at that point, you've already paid. Now it's like you can listen to the whole thing in any case, no matter what, and then decide, do I pay for it? Um, the review nestles into that equation, oddly enough, in a funny way. Um, and I think as, as that shift has happened, I think reviews have become less about the music and more about, and this is a positive, by the way, less about the music and more about the writer's experience with the music, like his or her personal 
vendetta or a personal journey or whatever it is. Ted, yeah. what do you think? Um, yeah, I think part of that's like when you talk about like an album, like Lang, you mentioned like you know film reviews definitely don't get anywhere near as much as shit, which I think is a valid point. But albums are like technically the shortest experience out of all those things. Like they almost kind of mm. equate time wise to like people writing reviews of episodes, which I do think are kind of silly actually. But the, <laughs> the difference is that it's not really about the time investment of listening to it, but like an album represents you know anywhere from one year to like twenty years in extreme cases of like a band's like growth as like an entity and like all the rehearsing and writing that went into that like is even though like the output's pretty fast it represents like a lot of stuff that you have to kind of consider when thinking about it and so there's usually a lot of good stuff to talk about that you wouldn't get out of like you know reviewing an episode of friends or something like that um so yeah it's cool that like as music is like something that lacks a visual element i mean except for the album art and some other things but like the 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 core meat of the thing is is audio only um, it that that in itself almost makes writing about it much different than if it was audio plus video. Like let's say you were reviewing uh, a bunch of music videos, um, you do it differently than you do like talking about an entire album of just audio. Yeah, I like. Uh, I uh, but I I, I like I like the idea of the writer just writing himself or herself into the work so hard that it like almost becomes like this fragment or this shard of a reflection of you in that album at that time. Like, I like the idea of like freezing yourself in relation to an album and how it makes you feel. And then translating that frozen self into, I guess, writing into, into an album review. And like, you do this, I think like I might be thinking about it or constructing this differently than perhaps how you see it. But I, I see your work as like, you are relating to the album on a deeply personal level and then you are not just you're not just describing that feeling but you're almost like recreating it in the writing itself and you're using you know using you're using pantomime you're using a little bit of hyperbole some of which i cut um but but you know what i mean you're using uh, the the elements of writing to really convey like how this fucking album made you feel and that's that's that's, like the art isn't it yeah, yeah that, I mean that's a deliberate part of it. I mean, people mm-hmm. like to act like um, that taking writerly pride in something that you've written is silly, but it's it's like at the end of the day, it's it's a written piece. You know, mm-hmm. you you want you would know what a good story looked like if it was written. You'd know what a good, even a good, the difference between a good journalism piece and something in the local paper. There's a difference between Harry said, Sally said, Harry said, Sally said and something like a profoundly moving piece of nonfiction, something mm-hmm. that actually reaches inside you and makes you feel like you understand something, like it's opened it up. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's... It, there's also an element that I, I think people find it a little bit off-putting sometimes that, like, oh, it seems like writers... Uh, let me gather my thoughts... It's not just the thought that writers write these for other writers. It's that they write them for the band. And it's like, uh, pardon my French, but no fucking shit. Like, (laughs) I'm writing critical thoughts about their work. Of Mm -hmm. course, like, of course you think if the band were to read this, is this written in a way that my thoughts, positive and negative, are conveyed in a manner that would be received Mm -hmm. and aren't just like, you You know, basically didn't bullshit around and just say, you suck. Go fuck yourself. 
period. It, it's sort of like <laughs> yeah, we yeah. don't tend to run a lot of exceptionally negative reviews because no, that's... No, yeah. We talk about a lot of underground bands and it's like we're not going to spend our time and efforts shitting on them. I mean, like, we're critical um, and we'll say when things are confusing or disinteresting or, or fall flat, but um, we're not going to like tear apart like some blokes like, yeah. you know, yeah, you know, I know you mean, yeah. That, that, that's that's just an exceptionally mm. cruel thing and, and and part of that comes it comes from that sense of like critical discipline of right, like right. i'm trying to convey serious critical thoughts mm -hmm. and there's a level of are you just being a thuggish bully because you think it'll get clicks to shit mm -hmm. all over somebody or do you have serious thoughts to say about right, something? right hey ted i have a quick question because you you came on board invisible oranges what's it been about a year now mm -hmm. you have to remind yeah um, before that, though, you were a reader, right? And yeah. for how long did you read before we picked you up? Was that you were? Uh, I think I asked you this question, but you can remind me. Just kind of on and off for years. So, like, I don't yeah. think I ever really like. I've never been great at like sticking to one site, but I, I kind of mm -hmm. bounced around. You know, read stuff here and there. Yeah. Did you conceive of like Invisible Orange as like a serious kind of like, like a place to go to figure out information? <laughs> Yeah, so, like, so yeah. there's, like, a spectrum of, like... Like, it know, wasn't Metal Sucks. Yeah. We'll put it that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think you guys had also stood as, like, kind of, like, the smart place, you know, just to be mm. very broad. Um, and definitely not, like, a list factory or, or you know, like, a, yeah. a 10 aspect, you know, 10 raider kind of fucking review gotcha. factory either, so, yeah. Yeah, I like that, that album reviews can fit and nestle into that paradigm that I think Invisible Orange is has put forward and will continue to put forward is that like serious level of criticism. Uh, and, and when I say serious, I mean, don't go to our Twitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but as far as the posts on the site go, yeah, it's like we can be critical and real about things, um, but still entertaining and provide also an element, like a human element along with it. Like step in the writer's shoes for a second, feel how someone else feels with this music. Maybe it offers you a different dimension to see it from. Yeah. And I think that's the real value to album reviews is that secondary dimension of understanding about this music that you actually clearly care about. And anytime personally that I've learned someone else's perspective, I've learned something about my own. I mean, like, I think you can apply that again to music. So uh, last note, I think, you know, I also like that we, our reviews are still down to earth enough that you can read it and understand what the band actually sounds like. So mm -hmm. we're not pitchfork. So that's nice. Yeah, we do descriptions. We'll, we'll describe <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah ted that's a good point i like that i like that because oftentimes we read some album reviews elsewhere and they're like it's just literally a description of the music and i'm reading it and i'm thinking like a lot of people might not notice this like they might notice oh like ripping tearing awesome thrashing ravishing great destructive annihilating album and all this like okay and it's uh but you realize like wow i didn't really learn or understand or know anything it was just all energy and no content yeah. And like I think part of the goal of a good review is to bring both content and energy. I'll say that again. Whoever whoever made that sound is a badass. <laughs> some some dude on a hog out in the 18th Street in Pilsen. He was so cool. Yep. I'm going to chase him down like and that. kiss him. I like that. So, uh <laughs> yeah, uh we'll end that. We'll uh, on the topic of album reviews, uh they're badass. We're going to keep doing them and uh oh, period. There it is. <laughs>
Thank you for listening. You can subscribe to Screaming Bloody Oranges, the Invisible Oranges podcast, via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and other streaming services. We'll make a post on our website at www.invisibleoranges.com to accompany the release of each episode. Visit us anytime for more in-depth heavy metal coverage that goes a step above and beyond.